Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, September 5th, 2022, and you are listening to episode 146 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host and a recluse with the Juicy Caboose, Damien. Joining me today is... Derek McDuff. On today's show, every millennial cinephile's favorite movie or studio, A24, turns 10 years old this year. In honor of that, we will be counting down our top 10 favorite A24 films. But first, we'll be discussing, with spoilers for everything involved, what we've been watching, including A24's Funny Pages, Passion of Joan of Arc, She-Hulk Episode 3, House of the Dragon second episode, and much, much more. Right into the show, BicycleGmail.com, Bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, man. I am feeling feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> feeling good in the neighborhood? Yes, yes, exactly. Nice, nice. Recording a little bit early this week. Um, that, that She-Hulk episode is actually going to be number two. Yeah, I was about well, to say. Yeah. Like, I saw that in your notes this morning. I was like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta watch yeah. it. And I looked, I was like, okay, there's only still two episodes. Only two episodes, yes, yes, yes. So a couple weeks ago, we did our uh, most anticipated movies coming up in the fall season. I, I sent you a bunch of clips of <laughs> other people doing it. I think the big picture, Sean Fantasy stole our idea, swiped it from us, <laughs> swiped that very original idea. Big, big podcasting, yeah. you know, sniping the little guys here. Exactly. The, the big industry, big podcast, <laughs> taking out the small guys again, again. They got, they got deep pockets. Bill Simmons just took a vacation because he's like, I don't want to watch movies. I don't want to talk about baseball and stuff. Fuck you. <laughs> it's your job, man. Yeah, man. I got I to gotta take a vacation, all right? You know, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to hang out with uh, Larry, Larry Bird, you know. Yep. Great. Yep. Wow. Yeah, Larry. <laughs> Larry, best ever. Best ever do it. One of the big guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, but we were talking about uh, my number one was and still is Don't Worry Darling, um, the new Olivia Wilde movie that's coming out pretty soon. <laughs> um, but a lot, of, a lot of drama. I heard there was like vaguely mm-hmm. there were some vague rumors going on around this movie where Florence Pugh wasn't promoting this on any socials or anything like that. And I guess she's not going to do any promotional material other than going to Cannes or whatever film festival that she's showing at in, in September. But yeah, very yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah. How, what did you hear about this? <clears throat> Uh, I've been hearing a lot of things about it's every day it's like all right there's some new new uh uh don't worry darling lord just dropped and it's like yeah. what's this one about <laughs> oh this one's about Shia LaBeouf all right and he used to be on it and then he quit or and then Olivia Wilde said he he got fired and then he shared a video that was her begging him to come back and it's just like and then there's all this stuff about Olivia Wilde hooking up with uh Harry Styles I guess while she was still in uh in a relationship with Jason Sudeikis and yep just every every day, it's just like more and more and more stuff keeps coming out about this thing. Yes, yes. I have an uh, article pulled up from BuzzFeed News uh, talking about summarizing it. Um, yeah, rising tensions between her and Florence Pugh. She was like you said that video that Shia uh, shared. She was like, "Flo, come back. I know we can. I can. Do, I know we can smooth this over or something like that." Um, yeah. And then the stuff with Harry Styles with her dating him. And people, I, a lot of stuff I'm seeing on Twitter is like his accent is like horrendous. Like he's barely holding it together. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how many movies has this guy been in? Um, you know, why was he cast in this? You know, s- singers can be, can turn actors. You know, people can do that. But apparently he's, this is one of his first big roles and he's not 
I guess he didn't handle it very well. Um, so yeah, well, just, I, will, just, I will give yeah. him the credit of like because when he was in Dunkirk, I was like, that's weird yeah. stunt casting. Nolan's not a stunt casting kind of guy. Right. And apparently, he just auditioned for Dunkirk and got it off like the um, you know his this quality of his audition uh, oh, because okay. Christopher Nolan had never heard of One Direction, so uh. <laughs> uh, that was his first big movie. So you know, yeah. although he was playing someone British, so you know maybe it's it's that thing of like he can't really play an American or can't do the accent. Yeah, yeah, it might be, it might be. Um, trying to see if there's anything else here to talk about really about it. Um, so Wilde apparently has been accused of accusations, accused of accusations. <laughs> she addressed mm-hmm. accusations of pay disparity between Pew and Styles, and it was rumored that their their romantic relationship with Styles contributed to Pew's unhappiness on the set and her apparent feud with the director. So yep, that's that's yeah. really all it is. Yeah, uh, yeah let's a lot see of what, a lot of a lot of butting heads and and egos and tension and yeah. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see what comes of it. If it's all worth it, all worth the drama yeah. to, for that movie. It's probably just going to be nominated for best picture, maybe maybe best director, maybe script writing, maybe a um, supporting actress thing. Maybe you yeah. Think? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's possible. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, tough field this year. Very tough field that we mentioned yeah. last week. Yep, yep, yep. So let's see what else we got going on. So yeah, we're going to be doing the A24 countdown, top 10 A24 films that I've seen. Uh, I shared the list with you. Uh, Letterbox mm-hmm. does this cool thing where you plug in, you just you, you can just go to it, and if you've plugged in all the movies you've seen in your entire life, <laughs> like I have, like a maniac, <laughs> uh, it'll show you like a list. It'll show you like a list of you know A24 films, and then it'll say how many you've seen out of those. And I think I said I saw like 41 percent, 45 percent, something around something around there. Uh, have you seen like 17% of them, correct? Yeah, yeah. You, like you've got me doubled and then some. So. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been an A24 head for a while now. Like I said, yeah. I am that generation. I'm perfectly attuned to that studio's, um, <laughs> their their tone, their style. That's, that's just right up my alley. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. I have a like, I have a thing pulled up about like the cult of it, the, the cult of A twenty four, written by by Vulture. Uh, Nate Jones wrote this this week. Um, let me see here. There was something where it was like you know most film studios aren't that. They don't say like I'm going to see a Spotlight movie or I'm going to see a Paramount movie. I'm not. I'm going to go see whatever movie. Right. We don't we don't mm-hmm. say that with other studios, but we say that with A twenty four movies. Uh, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, just A twenty four and Marvel. Those are the end of the you know, they're so opposite ends of the spectrum. But yeah, they're really the only you know ones that are like the big driver is the studio. Yes, exactly. So I have the yeah I have the article pulled up and or the, sorry his um his ranking Nate Jones's ranking at the beginning of his article he says quote a new verbal tick has taken over cinephile circles normal everyday people <clears throat> take pains to call a movie an A24 film while only a variety reporter says something is a Sony film or a searchlight release why because for many fans the indie studios badge means something it's a marker of quality but more than that it's a promise of certain singularity an A24 movie is an auteur driven and visually stunning with an offbeat sense of humor or setting or perspective that you never seen before the studio doesn't just make a high school movie it makes a catholic school makes a catholic school in sacramento in the spring of 2003 movie um so do you agree with that it's like they have a very distinctive um style and tone to their movies you can you could could you spot an a24 movie uh if somebody just showed it to you uh yeah i think i could i could be like well this is either a24 or focus features yeah you know, because focus features was like that 
in the 2000s. I think they're still around. They still do the same stuff, but they were like occupying a lot of the same space that they were A24 is occupying in the like uh, 20 2000s and 2010s or like early 2010s. Yeah. Um yeah, they they definitely have a house style. Um it's it's funny to me that pe- the same people, you know, talking about Marvel again who complain that every Marvel movie has the same kind of general house style. I'm like, yeah, but so does A24, you know. Yeah. And that's not to say that you know a fi- that there aren't films in A24 that are re- like the the Vavitch, as I like to call it, and uh, <laughs> Uncut Gems are very yeah. different movies, but yes. they still have that same kind of vibes to them in the same way that Guardians of the Galaxy and and you know. Um, Captain America the Winter Soldier are very different movies but they still have that same kind of Marvel sheen to them so uh, yeah I would say that there's a distinctive house style yeah exactly exactly um, I watched you know talk about Resurrection on the last episode that very very much feels like a24 film very you know claustrophobic there's a there's a um, a vibe in the air of something just not quite right. There's always some sort of like monologue, like in Hereditary, um, mm-hmm. and in Resurrection there was also a monologue there. So it's very much that. Uh, so I uh, want to quote. Um, basically, it's like a newsletter from uh, the New Yorker. Um, they had uh, put out this week. Uh, I'm trying to see who. Oh, from uh, Madeline Coleman. Um, she was talking about A24, all the A24 stuff they're doing this week. I guess Adam Jones, in addition to doing the list, he also um, talked, that was also his essay on the cult of A24, and he also reviewed Funny Pages, which I'll talk about in a second here. But I want to mention something that she said, which I thought was very interesting. She's like, um, you know, she's talking about Nate. Uh, how he filled out his list. So she says, Nate Jones made his choice and he will give you his reasons. Quote, there are Satanists. Someone gets let on fire. Everybody dies at the end. People open their hearts. It's a metaphor for grief. It's weirdly funny. <laughs> so I thought that was a good <laughs> summation of like, you know, what what can you expect from a 24 film? Yeah, somebody's going to yeah, cry. Yeah. Somebody's going to flip out. Somebody's going to be on fire. Somebody's going to be naked with a <laughs> dick hanging out. You know, somebody's going to, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Summation of A24 films, so yeah. <laughs> um, so, unfortunately, I do want to talk about um, Funny Pages, and I say unfortunately because it was one of the least one of the least uh, favorite A24 films I've seen this year, and really of all time so far. Um, I'll just spoil my list. I have this at the bottom. I have 40, 41 movies I've seen of uh, A24. I put, that, I put Funny Pages at the bottom. Um, the Funny Pages is a film directed by Owen Klein. Um, he was on the Big Picture, speaking of Big Picture again. He was on that show this week. Started talking about his uh, inspiration for making the movie and where his perspective was and who he is as a person. And if you go back and listen to the interview, the interview and what he says in it and his like mannerisms and his tone and his cadence is very much like this movie it's like it's meandering it's all over the place it's just it's chaotic it's psychotic it's it's boring at times it's very um mm-hmm. navel gazy it's it's very plain it's very just just i don't know what this is <laughs> i feel like yeah. somebody needed to step in here and be like hey what the fuck is this movie because basically all it was <laughs> was just like a kid getting out of high school quitting quitting school getting a job um <clears throat> getting an apartment in a basement with some fucking weirdos and then one of those weirdos is he, he like sued this guy at CVS so the main character um, played by Daniel Sogardi, Robert um, and Wallace basically become friends and they go to the CVS and stake it out this guy that he's suing and then they then Robert brings Wallace over to his house the, the, like the entire last 
half of this movie is just Robert and Wallace meeting Robert's parents and having dinner and just Wallace having like this psychotic bipolar uh, breakdown. And I'm like, what the fuck was this? This this movie that's supposed to be about <laughs> comic books and it's just about two fucking weirdos having dinner. I mean, I'll watch, you know, uh, you know, my, my dinner with Andre all day, but at least that, say, yeah. yeah, that, that movie is that you, they, uh, they advertise that, that I didn't, I was mm-hmm. not sold a false bill of goods with my dinner with Andre. Cause that's what it was. That's what it was yeah. <laughs> marketed it as. And this movie is just not that it's not, uh, about funny pages. It's not about, it's not about comic books. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like I said, half this movie is just pe- degenerates being degenerates. Um, for most of it, so I would I would not recommend uh, Funny Pages, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, speaking of you know, it's another A twenty four movie, one that, and this is my fault for not like watching any trailers or anything. But when I went to go see the card counter, I was like, cool, this is going to be like a Dark Oceans eleven with Oscar yeah. Isaac, and then it's just yeah. like starts kind of like that, and then like about like twenty minutes in it's like, guess what? This movie's about torture in Guantanamo Bay or like yep. you know, the equivalent of Guantanamo <laughs> Bay in Africa and, yeah. and Willem Dafoe was a torturer and you're just like, Oh shit, okay <laughs> I mean that was that was kinda interesting. I think um yeah. does he have uh what's his name, the director of that? Um Oh um Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader, exactly. I think he has a new movie coming out this year, so I'm definitely excited for that. But yeah, you're correct. It's, it's I mean, that that was like a better version of this, of like going into it. Mm. What is this? Oh, that's an interesting like um, alley you're going down, or that, that's an interesting pivot you took um, to that. Yeah. I didn't see that coming, and I enjoyed it, as opposed to Funny Pages, which is like, you guys filmed like 10 hours of footage, and you decided to put... <laughs> 45 minutes of an awkward dinner scene in this movie that's supposed to be about comic books. Eh, that, <laughs> that, that didn't work. That didn't work for me, unfortunately. But mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll avoid that, unfortunately. Um, so let's get something we both watched. She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Right now we have two episodes mm. out so far. Um, I really enjoyed the first episode. Didn't quite... I mean, the second episode I felt was too short. I felt like we were just gearing up for an interesting uh, plot point with the... What's his name? Abomination guy. She meets him, talks to mm-hmm. him. Uh, Blonsky, Neil Blomsky. Not, not Neil Blomsky. Was it? Was his name? Something like that. Something right? like that. Blomsky. Blomskin. Uh, let's see. What is his name? Abomination. Neil Blomsky. Emil Blomsky. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So she talks to him and they did. Yeah, they did this interesting thing of like, he's not a bad guy. He was, he was, you know, uh, told like he was going to be the next super, super super soldier like he was just following orders and he was doing very much the same he made like the argument that um what's his name from falcon with our shoulder made john john uh oh. john america <laughs> john america exactly john america <laughs> yeah that guy uh yeah he made the argument of like i'm just doing my job you told me to do it and i did it mm-hmm. which coming from an asshole Coming from a yeah. guy who's currently an asshole, that doesn't really sell very well. But coming from this guy who's been in, you know, containment for 14, 15 years, however long since that that movie came out, um, I could buy it. I could I could buy it a little more. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that that sort of um, context around his character worked for you? Yeah. Plus, I also like Tim Roth. I feel like the audience yeah. wants us. Like the people know that we like Tim Roth. He had a fun little. Like, you know, and they touched on it at the episode into that cliffhanger where you got to see him in um, Shang-Chi and he's, you know, not being a bad guy. He's like kind of him and Wong are like scamming people. So, you know, it's like, okay, he's, you know, I think it's, he's going to have that 
maybe like Loki like arc where it's like, oh, this guy's maybe more of an anti-hero now because we kind of like him because he's kind of fun. I could see him having that kind of arc where like, ah, this guy's a rascal, but he's okay. Yeah, yeah. I really like the episode overall. I, I like the direction the show is going in. Um, I'm trying to think back to the other MCU TV shows that we've had so far, and I can't really think of one that had such a equally compelling side plot because the other side plots, you know, were Falcon and Winter Soldier was like John Walker's thing, and mm-hmm. the other side plot in Miss um, Marvel was, I don't even remember, was there a side plot in that? It was just like her family. There was stuff, a lot right? going on. There was there, there was, was like going stuff on. with her going to finding out her past, but then there was also the stuff with, you know, the um, the other family that wanted to get the bangle back and and yes. then yeah yeah there was, okay so there was a lot there was a lot going on there too so I'll say that one also but uh, just in general like I feel like a lot of the MC shows are trying to. Um, the, the, the A plot is not as compelling as the B plot. I feel like here, um, whatever Bruce Banner is doing on that ship, on this Karian ship he took and it was calling her from, which, great cell service, by the way. That must have been a really expensive call from the Sakarian ship. Uh, he's going somewhere, probably back to Sakaar. So, you know, this he's, show... He's I th- flying off to be in Secret Wars or, or in, yeah. uh, in Secret well, Invasion. Well, That's what I think he's flying off to be in invasion, another show. Or yeah, I don't think we're going to see him anymore, honestly. I, I no, think he's done with the, with the show. To save on the CGI budget, exactly. So he'll <laughs> he'll be, you know, starting up Secret Secret Invasion or World War Hulk, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do want to talk about like an interesting video I saw the other day of what they could be doing here in the show or later on in the MCU with Bruce Banner. So spoilers if you don't want to be spoiled for possibly things that are coming in the MCU and, and also definitely uh, uh, recent comic book arcs. I believe this was Civil War Two. The guy was talking about and apparently. Um, Bruce told Hawkeye, "Like, hey, I don't want to ever want to go to Hulk again. So if I do, here's a like a gamma ray thing that you can put in your quiver, can put on one of your arrows, and then you can shoot me with it, and I'll be dead." And he's like, "Okay." Huh. And so uh, Civil War Two, I guess the basis of that was that somebody had a vision about the future, and Bruce uh, Hulk just massacres everybody. He goes on a massive rampage, kills basically the entire roster of heroes. And the two sides in the Civil War in this was Iron Man saying, we can't just arrest people on a theory, on a, you know, on a, uh, what, is, what did I just call that? The uh, vision of the future. We can't just go based on that, you know, and some, and mm-hmm. uh, Captain Marvel said, yes, we can. So that was the basis for that. And they did a little, little fighty fighty. And then they approach uh, Hulk and they say, hey, Hulk. We we're gonna arrest you or whatever. We're gonna put you down or something. And so they have a discussion. Hulk gets pissed. I, Arrow comes out of nowhere, kills him, and apparently it was Hawkeye that did the killing. So that'd be an interesting way of sort of bringing in that arc of bringing the Civil War two arc in. Be an interesting way of making Hawkeye a compelling character again. Hawkeye was another one uh, that had an inter- interesting, I guess, uh, B plot too. But uh, yeah, this could, this could be that too, right? That could be an interesting mm-hmm. way of bringing him back into the fold, right? Yeah, no, that could you could definitely bring. I mean, with Marvel, they have so many toys in their toolbox, and just they can always bring one out and put one back and find an excuse to bring anybody back for for any reason, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I just came back to She-Hulk, She-Hulk real quick. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Tatiana Maslany, really great actress. I feel like she's really uh, right the right fit for this. I love the fourth wall breaking stuff. 
Um, I'm curious if this will, you know, they'll they'll break the fourth wall and how they're going to do that. I, I feel like Fleabag did a really great version of this. I don't know. Did we ever talk about Fleabag? No, I need to watch that. I, and yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. This, this is, you know, obviously fourth wall breaking. Uh, Fleabag didn't invent it, but I feel like um, if you go back and watch that show, she, she did some really interesting stuff with that. And I'm wondering if they're going to borrow from that. Um, that'd be well, very cool. Well, she already cool. is um, breaking is very, the fourth wall yeah. a little bit in this. You know, she's addressing the Say audience again? and stuff like that. She is already, like, breaking the fourth wall a little bit by addressing yeah. the audience and stuff like that, doing those little asides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm very interested to see how if they'll do anything uh, like that with um, the Watcher. That could be a cool thing where she's talking to the audience and then the Watcher's like, "I see you." <laughs> she's like, "I see you too." Uh, that's that's what I was gonna say too of like um, bringing in the cosmic stuff because we're getting up close to um, Black Panther, which was gonna bring end to the the fourth phase, and this could be a way where Bruce is in space right now. That could be a way to. And he was also he was talking to Shang Chi about his his rings um, giving off a beacon and where that beacon was mm-hmm. going and who was it talking to. <clears throat> I feel like this could be a really great bridge from the street level stuff to the cosmic stuff. Do you think that? Yeah, yeah, I think they could definitely patch it over. I mean, I feel like you know this is probably all we're gonna see of it in She Hulk. Like I was saying, because I think that they're they're just like okay, we gotta have Hulk in this obviously because that's her origin. We will spend an episode of him breaking uh her into like or letting her know about like how it works to be a hulk and stuff like that and then okay he's gone and he's 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 uh shot off we've we've got what we needed from the hulk (laughs) and he's off to do his cosmic adventures while we have this show about a lawyer which is kind of honestly I'm, i'm digging a lot that it it doesn't seem to be a like a big like what the a lot of the marvel shows and movies have been of course, I mean, WandaVision started the same way, and I think WandaVision started really, really strong, and then it just became a uh, sky battle with, like, shooting lasers at each other. So I yeah. hope this doesn't evolve into that. Um, so I really liked... I think, for me, I really enjoyed the second episode where it's just, like, her doing lawyer stuff, and it's like, what would... Yeah, what would it be like to be a lawyer in this this world with <laughs> superheroes and stuff, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, where they go with that, Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got on here. She-Hulk, uh, House of the Dragon. I watched the first episode. The second episode is out. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard some really good things about this. Are you watching this? I mean, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've yeah. heard mixed things. Uh, I liked yeah. Game of Thrones. I'll probably watch it at some point, but it just wasn't on my my immediately to watch list. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's. Um, I was talking to somebody about this, and the thing I'm. I'm having problems with with this show, and also I think a lot of people are too. It's just like uh, Game of Thrones, like you know, one of the best fantasy shows ever, one of the best um, pilots of all time. You think about that pilot; it was you know, um, brand getting pushed out of the window, the things I do for love, the incest, the characters, the world building right off the bat with who were the who were these people, how many factions there were, what are they vying for, what do they want, all the stuff they put into motion just in that first episode was very very compelling, and I think um, House of the Dragon had a big. Um, shoes to fill with that well, not even not just the show but definitely you know the pilot had to knock it out of the park and I unfortunately don't think it did and I think a lot of people would agree with that um, you know still great still great to get back into Westeros still great to get back into that world and those people and that sort of look and everything um, uh, like I said the Game of Thrones had factions this doesn't have like factions pushing up against each other so it's very difficult for me to like care about anybody specifically because they all 
look the same and they act the same and there's huh. um you know you can't say like oh i like the starks i'm a stark person i'm a lannister person i'm a whatever person you know mm-hmm. they're all targaryens so you're like okay well who am i gonna who am i to root for in all of these blonde people <laughs> they all yeah, they all yeah. have the same kind of look <laughs> on their faces and like they all have dragons so it's like all right mm-hmm. uh you could say like in game of thrones i want the dragon woman to win i want i want daenerys to mm-hmm. win you know but all these people are basically like not great people and what are they fighting mm-hmm. for and what's the end game and also of course um, you have the prequel problem of like, I know where this is going. I know who lives and dies because there's a book written about this. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll definitely sit down and watch it because, you know, there's so much stuff to watch. And I feel like for me, at least getting getting onto something at the start is so much easier than catching up later on. Obviously, a lot less time commitment right off the bat. So definitely I'll check out uh, episode two probably right after this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it at some point, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I am more of a binger, so I, I might wait till oh, you are. I can all watch yeah. it all at once, but we'll see. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I caught up with Game of Thrones um, as a binger as well, um, right right near the end. And then <laughs> season eight happened, and then people were <laughs> like, it's not good. You don't have to. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll jump. I'll jump off here. <laughs> I'll pretend, <laughs> yeah. pretend that didn't actually happen. Yeah. 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 Um, were, you, were you a uh, Game of Thrones guy, or did you say that? I, I binged it like. It was still currently airing, and I started binging it, and then I got up to the point where the it diverged from the books or where it caught up to the books, and then I just stopped watching it because I was like, all right, well, I kind of want to read the books instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I have I wonder, read all the books, too, so. Yeah, I can't imagine being George R. R. Martin and writing a book that is basically the events of a show that came out already and people already hate it. So I can't imagine yeah. being like... I'm going to, hey guys, I'm going to write a book that's going to be the same as that, but not really. And it's going to be better. Yeah. Okay, George. All right. We already saw the thing. We're not interested in this fucking thousand page tome you're writing. I can't imagine like, Mm -hmm. you know, putting hours and hours and hours of of your life into something that people (laughs) probably are not looking forward to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I hear you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So let's get to 3,000 Years of Longing. This is a film that feels like an 824 film, but it is not actually. (laughs) Um... I saw this yesterday, and you also saw it. Uh, what do you think of this? I really liked it. This movie, to me, felt like it's me being a aspiring writer, storyteller, D&D dungeon master, whatever. Um, I, I really respect, and someone who is very interested in like mythology and the stories that we tell, this movie was like a movie about the power and the importance of storytelling and of these oral and written traditions that we have and i just thought that was so fascinating and also the the stories that we tell that are love stories and how that affects our lives and the real people that are behind these epic great tales so on all of those notes i really thought it was interesting just i thought it was this is a premise that is so weird that i don't know if another filmmaker could pull off but george miller just kind of just does whatever the fuck he wants and has for his entire career so the fact that he's making a movie where idris elba like is a immortal genie forrest gumping himself through mythical history is just fucking so weird and bizarre and cool yes yes absolutely um just want to start right off the bat by uh 
saying the theater going experience not great i haven't had a bad one in a while so i was due for one <laughs> some guy it's <laughs> like sleeping three chairs uh across from me here could hear him snoring at times some people are rustling with candy it's like bro why are you stop <laughs> rustling what we don't we don't we don't rustle anymore just take out the candy put it in your lap take it out of the bag stop digging for candy <laughs> the entire time god damn stop <laughs> so annoying <laughs> But um, I also really enjoyed it as, as I could, as much as I could. Um, hmm. Such a great, like you said, love, love movies about storytelling, about the history of it. I love that she was, um, you know, what did she call herself? A novelist? Novelist? Uh, like a narratologist, I think. Narratologist, thank you. Yes, that was actually exactly what she said. Um, because during her speech at the very beginning, talking about how I think this laid out all of what George Miller's thesis is thesis was for this movie about how there's always been stories about gods and strong and and godly people and mythology dealt with people that are um, you know godlike um, and then the last slide she shows before the scene ends is of you know superheroes now our mythology yes. now that we've created is superhero stuff mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and like that and I thought it was interesting way of bridging that and also saying like with um, Idris Elba's character, the Jinn, he comes into the world and follows uh, Athea back to um, to London. And he's like, as soon as he gets there, he's like sniffing the air, and he can feel he's he's basically electromagnetic. That's how what's they figured out or sort of figured out where his power comes from and what he is, what he's made up of. And so I thought it was an interesting way of saying like the old gods, the old stories, the old myths don't. Um, mesh well with our current world you know what I mean because he comes mm-hmm. into our world and at a certain point she comes home and he's like dust he's like turning to dust and I think what they alluded to was that the the uh, the, the stuff in the air the electromagnetism in the air was basically killing him right mm-hmm. did I get that yeah, right? And it's a, yeah exactly and that it's so poignant because it's like yeah you know it's like TV killed the radio star you know it's like all these forms of new media have eclipsed and destroyed I'm not destroyed, but they have replaced in the minds of a lot of people these narratives. And, you know, George Miller obviously had famously wanted to make his uh, Justice League movie, so he knows a thing about too about superheroes and modern mythology and just obviously filmmaking the way film and these kind of new age stories that are beamed over electromagnets and just, like, projected. And like she says, I don't really know how it works, but that has replaced the kind of oral tradition that existed for so many thousands of years and just you know that's got it's good and it's bad and i love the scenes where the jinn is just kind of going around the world and seeing all of these amazing marvels he's like wow like humans made this like humans made this collider humans made this thing like all these marvels of random science that we we would have to like think up in the past that or things that we would come up with magic are the magic we imagined in the past can't even compete with the actual reality of our everyday lives today so i think that was a very interesting um point that that kind of brought up at the end yeah yeah i think you nailed it there um and then another point i wanted to bring up and get your thoughts on um one of his last idris was basically telling like three or four stories about um different masters he's had over the years and i believe the last one that he had i had it written down here zephyr was that the last one he had um right the woman that was like yeah, I can't in, remember her name, but yeah. Yeah, that sounds correct. Um, so it's, the way he was describing her, 
she had a lot of the same mannerisms as a Athenia, Athelia, whatever her name was, <laughs> a difficult name to say, uh-huh. uh, Tilda Swin's character. The the last master he had had a lot of mannerisms and like her leg would shake the same way that Tilda Swin's mm-hmm. character did. And she also read books the same way that Tilda Swin's character did. Um, I was trying to think like, what's the correlation there? What's the connection there? Is is this, was that the Jin's perception of his last master and how it, it corresponded to, to Tilda Swin was he thinking about her was she actually doing that what, what do you make of that I mean yeah you could take that a number of ways it could be like is this how she's imagining this person behaving in the way that she would you know you have that same callback where she kind of has that that gulp um, or yes. is it just like this is you know or is it something where it's like yeah this story's the, the cycles of stories that we tell, there's these arch, archetypes and motifs that keep repeating, and maybe it's the same thing with people, and that's why, you know, this this person, it's, she's not a literal reincarnation of his lost love, but she is, you know, kind of someone who is, is very much in that same mold, and it is the kind of, you know, the modern version of her or something, so it, maybe it's saying, like, yeah, we all just kind of have these lives and stories that repeat over and over through the centuries. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Then one last thing I wanted to uh, mention about it, it's very much about like, because she, she tells Wynn's character wishes for the genie to love her. And that's where sort of the uh, the last third of the movie kicks off with them going back to London and, and living together. And it's she realizes, oh, I can't like... I can't make people love me. Nobody can make, nobody can make anybody love them. There has to be a... Um, the other person has to has to want to love the other person. You have uh, love isn't something you can ask somebody. It has to be given, which is I believe what you said there. So yeah, very 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 poignant um, sort of message there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a really cool, interesting part of the movie. Yeah, just a, a good point about like, oh yeah, like you know, you can't you can't ever make someone love you. You you have to. They just have to kind of ha- it just kind of has to happen. There's no there's no trick to it. It's just something that happens on its own yeah exactly exactly um then one thing i just thought of right now whenever i watch movies about Mm -hmm. gins or people that grant wishes they always go through the whole spiel of like you can't wish for more wishes you can't wish for immortality you can't wish for end of suffering blah 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 blah. nobody ever mentions like you can't wish for more genies (laughs) that's what i would do that's the loophole i would try to get through it's like i want a billion genies and then so that's like a billion times three that's three billion wishes get it Make me make that wish happen, motherfucker. Because that's not that's not in the small print. You didn't say that, so found the loophole, Damien. Found the loophole. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, so definitely recommend that. And then one more thing before we get to our top ten A twenty four films, you also watched Amadeus. What'd you think of this? So yeah, this is a movie that I've seen many times before. Uh, It's one of my favorite films. Um, But the reason I put it on the list is because I actually got a chance to see it live at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, nice. which was fucking cool. That's a really great, just huge outdoor stadium. Um, and uh, the reason, yeah, so basically what it was is for people who aren't familiar with Amadeus, it's a movie um, that it centers around Mozart. And so uh, the movie was projected on a screen or a lot of very large screens while the LA Philharmonic played all of the instrumental Mozart and other composers stuff uh, live. So that was a really fucking cool live experience that was live music but also uh you know watching a movie just kind of uh, a kind of meld of the two um so that was really awesome 
Yeah, very cool. I saw this recently um, for the first time, and yeah, it's mm-hmm. incredible. It's one of those movies that we always talk about being like homework because it won uh, Best Picture, I believe, that year. Um, yeah, it won a lot of, it won like 12 Oscars or something, or maybe not 12, like 11 Oscars, some, a lot, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was always always on my list, and I was like, okay, I'll get back to that at some point. It felt like an academic uh, exercise, um, <laughs> but yeah, it moves. It's, it's a very... Um, lively movie f murray abraham as uh Salieri, um mm-hmm. it was incredible tom holse as as uh amadeus w- was great um the one thing i going into this that i knew about it and i really appreciated about it and i'm wondering if you picked up on it as well is the i believe the majority of the film was shot with natural lighting you know all of the scenes and all the rooms were lit with actual candles did that stick out to you more watching on the big screen you know, yeah, that's because I have I've only ever seen it on my small screen, so yeah, like you, it's something I didn't like. I don't think I consciously noticed it, but now that you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of. Like, I love movies that can use natural lighting like this, and this movie absolutely looks incredible. So, yeah, very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. Highly recommend Amadeus. So with that, yeah. let's get to our top ten uh, A24 films. Uh, whenever I'm making a list, whether it's a year-end list, mid-year list, top 10 actors or directors, I always think about, like, you know, my head versus my heart. What's the movie? Mm. You know, where do I want to put the movies that mean something to me, that I really appreciated, that that move me emotionally versus, like, you know, Moonlight versus the ones that um, won a bunch of awards that are, you know, about something, that are that are deep and uh, have, a social, like, a social message that are, in, that are quote, unquote, important films. Um so how did you how did you think about this? Do you, do you sort of think about like that as well? Where like I know this movie is good and it has a message and it's really good acting and it wants a bunch of rewards. Do you do you weight those um, more or less than the ones you you emotionally connected with? You know what I I don't anymore. And there is always that pressure. It's like oh well you know you've got to like this movie. Like this is an important movie. This is a in block letters like important movie. But for me I'm like you know what this is these are just gonna be my favorite movies the ones that spoke to me or the ones that i thought were really uh moving um for whatever reason they're the ones that that really did it for me and not necessarily the ones that have a lot of you know critical or acclaim or whatever it might be i tried not to be obligated by feeling like oh well if you don't put this one on the list then then what are you doing i've been listening to a lot of screen drafts recently and you know that's always the thing they got away when they do that show and so I'm like, you know what? It's it's this is gonna be from the heart. I'm gonna I'm sure you're gonna put all the ones that that should be mentioned <laughs> on there. So this is gonna be yeah. the this is Derek's top ten, you know. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, starting off, uh, my number ten, uh, like you're saying, you know, like I said, uh, fairly emotionally moving. Um, this movie, uh, this movie flipped, really flipped something in my brain that where I was like, uh, you know, celebrity culture and. Um, all that stuff, paparazzi, um, late night shows really flipped in my mind that that stuff is horrendous and like a cancer on our society. The movie is Amy, is a documentary uh, made in 2015 by Asif Kapadia. Um, it's about Amy, Amy Winehouse, who died at 27, uh, I believe drug overdose or alcohol overdose or something like that. And, you know, uh, the reason I mentioned that it flips up in my brain was the, the way that he sort of... Um, 
compartmentalized, but also like uh, what's I can't think of the word right now. But it basically put one image next to each other, and, and they had um, late night shows talking about joking about Amy Winehouse being an alcoholic and being on drugs, and also um, you know put those like put those images against her. Um, obviously suffering. She's obviously crying and didn't want to perform. She's very much a, um, a product of the music industry, you know, but also her father pushed her really, really hard to go in that direction. Clearly, um, e- even though she was clearly having troubles mentally and with addiction and, and everything like that. So this movie definitely, uh, when I, when I, whenever I look at stories or look at like TMZ or look at late night shows that sort of use these people's pain and suffering as fodder. It really pisses me off now. So definitely uh, recommend checking out Amy Winehouse if you haven't. Okay. I need to check that one out. Um, yeah. I, I would just, you know, I, I just watched this other um, tennis documentary about Marty Fish and just, uh, just, you know, the, the, whether it's sports or the music industry or anything like all of the weight, the pressure that gets put on people in this, this spotlight is, I don't know, it's, it's really tragic sometimes, especially when, you know, have something like what happens with Amy, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what is your number 10 A24 film? My number 10 is The Vitch. Uh, I nice. thought this movie is just, it's it's so simple. It's just like a classic, like I think the tagline is like a New England horror story. So it just feels like a spooky story that you would tell around the campfire. And it's just like, all right. These things happened, and it's vaguely supernatural, and yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy is really fucking good in it. It was her breakout role. Uh, it's just really unsettling and spooky, and you know, and, and she has younger twin brothers that are evil, so I could relate to that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this it's you know, I think Robert Eggers. It was his, his first film. Um, he's got, obviously got a couple other A twenty four movies. Um, that could crop up here, but this is this is my pick for him. Nice, very cool. Yeah, Robert Eggers, uh, obviously the Northman uh, did the uh, the Lighthouse from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, really great. I got, I definitely got to revisit this. One, this is probably one of the first ones um, I saw in theaters, and again, terrible theater going experience <laughs> definitely ruined yeah. a lot of this for me. But definitely will revisit that sooner than later. Uh, my number nine is Ladybird from 2017. Again, very emotionally impactful uh, movie. We have um, Saoirse Ronan playing the titular Lady Bird. Laurie Metcalf was incredible. One of the one of those movies, uh, one of those performances that really make you sit up and look and be like, oh, that person from Roseanne is actually a really <laughs> incredible actress. <laughs> um, you have Tracy Letts, one of the first times I saw him uh, playing the father, one of the first times I saw... Timmy C, Timmy Chalamet, eh? playing Kyle hmm. in this in this film. Uh, a lot of the first time stuff actually. Beanie Feldstein played Julia, her friend. Um, yeah, really, really incredible. Um, the end scene where she's going off to college and they just had a big fight about her, you know, going to college, applying for college even though they couldn't afford it. So um, uh, her mother is just not talking to her. She's completely silent throughout the entire car ride, and she drops she drops her off, and she just breaks down crying, and she circles back to say goodbye to her. Just oof. Just gets you in the heart every time. <laughs> um, just really, really great dialogue directed by Greta Gerwig. She's an incre- incredible actress herself, um, incredible writer, uh, great director. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, highly, rec- highly recommend Lady Bird. It's been on my list for like a really long like, since it came out. I just, it's one of those movies I just I'm like, all right, I'm, am I gonna watch Ladybird today? Probably not, but I need to watch <laughs> it. It's so I have this like 
poster on my wall of like the hundred greatest movies you should watch or whatever, and I get to scratch off whenever I watch a movie, and that's on there. So I want to nice. I want to be able to scratch that one off. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. It really moves a lot. Of, a lot of great performances in that. I highly recommend. Uh, what is your number nine? Uh, my number nine is uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, you know, this nice. is a you know a simpler quote unquote simpler just a twenty four movies an adaptation of obviously. Um, the tragedy of Macbeth by William Shakespeare, but you've got Denzel as Macbeth, and uh, Denzel in Shakespeare is always fucking great. Um, <laughs> it's directed by, I think it's just just Ethan Cohen, so um, yes. you know half half of the Cohen brothers, uh, so you know it's gonna be good there. I, I like how it manages to feel like halfway a because sometimes when you watch a movie that's like a theater production sometimes they're like okay well this is just going to be like a theater like look like you're watching a theater production on screen and sometimes they're like you know with the the like polanski version they like you know make everything huge it's like okay you could only do this in a movie and this kind of like takes a middle ground where it does look like they're on set sometimes um like theater sets but it also feels a lot more expansive and there's all these angles and interesting things that you could only do with movies um, it's cool that it's in you know black and white and all the cool stuff they do with that. But yeah, just just getting Denzel to like <laughs> hear these iconic like lines of a Mad King and just you know Francis McDormand as Lady Macbeth and every other character. Rufus Sewell I think is in it too. Is just he's always a great yeah. fucking creep. Um, so <laughs> all in all, I just I just thought this was was rad. Yeah, yeah, it gets back to that uh, point about what's an A24 film. This has all of that stuff in it, just like The Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, really uh, visually arresting images, um, very interesting use of like contrast and negative space, and visually incredible. I would love to see this on, in a theater. Um, and also incredible acting uh, by Denzel mm-hmm. and um, Francis B. Dormant in that was incredible across from him. Yeah, great. Yep. Great, great, great. <laughs> great little film. <laughs> uh, let's see where are we at here. My number eight, A24 film, is a movie from 2019 called The Farewell, directed by Lulu Wang. We have uh, Aquafina. We have uh, Shuzhen Zhao. Um, we have, oh, there's some other people in here. Sing Ma, uh, a bunch of people you would just recognize um, if you saw them. This was, this was really incredible. Um, I guess there is a sort of cultural... Um, I don't know what you would call it, like way of letting people die uh, on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, the synopsis is um, Aquafina's grandmother is dying, and the rest of the family is going to go over back to, I think it was China, might have been Hong Kong, um, back to where she lives and sort of throw a wedding. But, you know, it's it's not like a fake wedding, but the people actually love each other, but they're mm-hmm. uh, it's like a cover for saying goodbye to her or possibly throwing uh, possibly having a funeral um, in the very near future but they're telling her that you can't tell her that she's dying right so they mm-hmm. want to basically let her live let, let let her live her life um, as if she's not dying um, so I don't know I don't know how to feel about that <laughs> what do you think do you think do you think we should tell people that they're dying let them sort of um, you know live their life how they want to or do you think we have an obligation to help people no matter if they want to sort of uh, explore um med- medical options oh, man this is you know that was a question that i thought about a lot when i was when this was movie was coming out and then i've also been re-watching breaking bad so i've been thinking a mm-hmm. lot about like you know what would i would i want to know if i'm gonna die or i just want to just be like oh hit by a bus and then i'm done um 
you know right so on the one on the one hand it's like okay if you you know i don't want to be like okay well i've only got this much time left i've only got this much time left but then the other hand you know if i don't know when it's coming i might not uh, something i might not have enough fire under my ass to actually you know finish my my novels or whatever i need to do uh so it's it's a catch-22 yeah. <laughs> it's a hard so it's a hard i don't have a good answer for you because it's you know it's well, damned if you do damned if you don't yeah it's a weird situation there um so yeah that's a great movie there farewell i highly recommend mm-hmm. uh what's your yeah. number eight uh my number eight is free fire uh which is nice. a pretty cool just kind of like smaller uh black indie action comedy uh, you know, with a lot of really great actors, you've got you know Brie Larson, uh, Charlotte Coopy, Cillian Murphy, Jack Raynor, um, and then of course the infamous Army Hammer. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of it's it's one of those action movies that's very small, set in one location, and it's just kind of about characters just interacting with each other and just everyone, all the decisions they make, and some people are just fucking idiots and just really darkly hilarious, great kind of believable fun. Uh, small action movie. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy, enjoy this as well. Um, I actually didn't have my list, so I plugged that in there <laughs> down near the bottom. <laughs> uh, I do remember enjoying it, but not not as much as some of my top ten stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, very very cool. Like it's like a tor- uh, Tarantino movie, right? Uh, like yeah, a, kind of those vibes. Yeah, contained movie. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of gangsters, a lot of interesting dialogue. Yeah, really really great. A lot of uh, who back and forth and who betrayed who and oh, who's this yeah. character and what does this character mean to this yes. character? A lot of that going on, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, let's see, my number seven, a 24 film is one from earlier this year called After Yang. Um, again, this mm-hmm. is very much in their wheelhouse. Um, very arresting, visually arresting movie. Um, very incredible actors. Um, you know, his, his, um, you pull up these people. Colin Farrell is an interesting actor because he's, he's always, he's out there with all these weird, I think he was in a bunch of 824 films, you know, the killing of a sacred deer, I believe was him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a bunch of, bunch of their movies. And this is another just really, um, grounded and soft and quiet little movie about, um, about AI and what it means to capture images and, um, how we think about um, AI and what we'll do to save uh, a dying AI person. Um, yeah, really, really interesting movie based on, apparently based on a short story, just saying goodbye to Yang. Um, yeah, really, really great, right? We saw this earlier this year as well. Yeah, yeah, this was this was a really solid movie. I, I ended up getting the week subscription to um, Showtime, which <laughs> I forgot to cancel, so I ended up getting charged for like six months before I realized. Uh, but I, oh, no. I was glad, really glad. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, but I was I was really glad to check this one out. Really cool, just you know, lower. I, it's it's you know when you have those like, ooh, what's the AI going to be like in the future? And it's it's a nicer kind of a twenty four quiet contemplative yeah. version of that. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's it's sometimes people set on fire, sometimes like a naked dude running in a field somewhere, somebody screaming yeah. at another person, but other times it's just a nice little, nice little film about life and AI and the future and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Can yeah, be that, can be that as well. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So, what is your number seven A twenty four film? Uh, my number seven, and this is also one that came out this year, and I might have recency bias with this, but uh, I'm going with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, nice. So, you know, we talked about this recently on the show, so I won't dive too much into it. But, yeah, really fun kind of just thriller, mystery, comedy, just almost like a 
if TikTok was made or if a uh, clue was made for like the TikTok generation is what it feels like. <laughs> yes, exactly. Another one I didn't have my list. So actually I saw it says 43 A24 films. Wow. Adding up pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great, great movie. Can't stop thinking about it. Um, they are mentioning this the other day on I think Big Picture or somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Film spotting, one of them. Uh, it's 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 a very rewatchable, instant classic. Um, and you can't say that about a lot of A twenty four films. Again, talking about their sort of uh, style, house style. Uh, another one mm-hmm. you can just go back to over and over again. Have a lot of fun with. Not you wouldn't really necessarily have a lot of fun going back to the witch or killing of a sacred deer yeah. or Florida Project or Under the Skin mm-hmm. or 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 Ghost Story. A lot of their movies are just like. Oof, Man, yeah. that was a <laughs> an emotional wallop. I I need to call somebody. I need to call my mom <laughs> after watching some of these. But uh, bodies, bodies, bodies is just uh, yeah. It's, it's not a fun romp, but it's actually definitely more yeah. high energy. Definitely a movie you can watch with your parents and not feel weird about later and be like, "Are you okay, son? What do you what, why did you show this to us?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, great pick. I should, I, I might have put that uh, uh, higher on my list if I had seen it maybe you know earlier in the year, or maybe last year or something. But yeah, uh, so that's your number seven. My mm-hmm. number six, a twenty-four film is one we've talked about fairly recently called Ex Machina. I believe this was on your list as well for something we talked about, or maybe this on. No, you know what I'm thinking of. They also did a list. Uh, film Spotting did their list of best a twenty-four films. They sent it out to make it to be surveyed on on Twitter, and somebody had this on mm. there. Okay. Yeah, again, very very similar to After Yang, a different different take on the uh, on different AI and how we how we treat it and how we think about it and what we do with it. And um, this is from Alex Garland. Uh, mm. You know, very interesting ideas from this guy has an interesting take on tech and uh, what we're gonna do with it and. You know, tech geniuses. Again, we talked about. I think we might mention this guy. Was that the one? The list we did about uh, egomaniacal tech geniuses. Was it? Was this on? Oh there? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what yes. it was. Yeah, I, I definitely that's, mentioned him. Yeah, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, Nathan. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the first times I saw Alicia Vikander on here, uh, early mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac. Um, yeah, again, just just the visuals are incredible. I'm looking at the trailer right now, looking at pictures of this, and it's one of those movies where you just look at it and be like, wow, that's that's going to hold up, you know, whatever they did there yeah. with, it, with either practical effects or a very good mix of practical and uh, special effects really, really made it look like she's an actual, you know, AI where she just half her skin is there and half isn't. And yeah, very, very cool looking movie. Mm, yeah. Completely agree with all that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your number six, a 24 film? My number six is the lobster. Uh, Yorgos Lanthima, Lantha. I can never pronounce his name. Um, but it is <laughs> Lanthimos. just yeah, Lanthimos, thank you. Uh, so it's another co- appearance by Colin Farrell, as we were talking about. He's in a lot of these. Yes. Uh, and it's just yep. this fucking weird existential like movie about the pressures that the ridiculous pressures that get put on people who are like single past a certain age, and it's just this kind of like darkly comic dystopian future world that is just so fucking like we like you get turned into animals and just some of the conversations that people have in this are so absurd and i this is a movie that is very very hit or miss i know people either love this movie or they hate it i'm definitely in the category where i love this movie and i i would i haven't really watched it in quite a while but now talking about it 
I need to go back and, and see it because it is just so absurd that <clears throat> you can't, I can't help but just be entertained by it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos, probably one of the most unique directors we have out there right now. Um, if nobody's ever seen uh, one of his movies, I think you'll be very uh, off-footed um, about the style of and the tone, um, the delivery of his dialogue. It's a very, what would you call it, like, like stilted and plain and sort of like robotic, right? Yeah, I would say that that absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's very just kind of like, oh, these... It doesn't feel like written script. It feels like people who don't really know how to talk to each other talking to each other sometimes awkwardly and realistically. Yeah, and also that idea, like you said, of, of how society looks at people that aren't like, I want to fucking make babies. I want to get yeah. married as soon as possible. <laughs> just like yep. if, you're not, if you're not that person, people look at you weirdly. Um, yeah. I just saw, a video, just saw a video the other day of like, you know, in 20 years, hopefully a lot of this stuff is, is not going to be that because, you know, Things are on fire, literally and figuratively, yeah. and drying up, and fucking uh, not enough food. Food food inequality is going to be a thing in the very, very, very near future. And so I think <clears throat> the person was saying, like, you know, meat. Uh, what was it? Meat uh, is going to be um, looked on as like smoking, and also drinking is going to look on as smoking, uh, basically because of the price of. Uh, beer, wine, uh, liquor is going to be extraordinarily expensive. Uh, meat's going to be very expensive to, to eat. And um, I think you're going to look at, like you said, like this movie puts out there, how we look at um, families and having kids and wanting to raise, not just raise a person in this world, but just put a person, <laughs> put an extra yeah. body in this world, put an extra mouth to feed and an extra um, waste to clean up and an extra you know, person that we have to raise in this world, you're going to look on the people that want to do that. Be like, what is, what is your problem? Not what is my problem for not wanting to yeah. have a kid? What, do, yeah. what is your problem for wanting to put another human being on this earth? You know, what, why would you want mm -hmm. to do that? So yeah, very, very interesting movie. Liked it a lot. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. So we're at, that was your number. That was one. my six. So it was your six. Five. Thank you. My number five is First Reformed. And this is uh, another movie that I definitely is is in, is in my wheelhouse. Um, I don't think I saw it on many lists very high up when it comes to top A24 films. But, um, you know, this is a Paul Schrader movie. You talked about him uh, with The Card Counter. This is a film uh, with Ethan Hawke. It has the, made his high freed. Um, and Ethan Hawke is a priest who is, like I was just talking about, sort of like... Um, becoming radicalized and becoming like um, woken up to the fact that the environmental the environment is, is dying and we're watching it dying in real time and what do we owe to the earth and what do we what do we owe to each other if we're not out there all the time telling people about this and doing something about this all the time and uh, ex extremely weird and sort of out there and left to your interpretation the ending is right have you seen this mm -hmm. I have not. This has been another one that I've really wanted to watch for a long time. Yeah, and, and going back to the stuff about, you know, this is a movie that you're not going to want to watch again. This is not a feel-good romp. This is yeah. not a rewatchable. But it is definitely one of those, like, I'm glad I watched this. I'm glad I have that in my brain. I'm glad I don't, I don't have to go back <laughs> and watch this yeah. again because it is it's, so dreary and so dark and so slow and so um, There's a reason impactful. I haven't gotten around to it yet, yeah. Yeah. Despite yeah. me really wanting to watch it. Yes, 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 and it's 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 a movie that I think um, contextualizes 
uh, religion again nowadays where Ethan Hawke is the pe- uh, priest or pastor, whatever you want to call him, mm-hmm. in, in a small uh, small church in the country, and he sort of busts up against the monolith, the um, the, the the religious uh, evangelical industrial complex uh, run by Cedric the Entertainer, who, who is the owner and operator. Not maybe not, maybe not owner, but he's like the head priest and like this giant, uh, like I said, monolithic um, evangelical church where it's just a business, you know, it's, it's been trained, mm-hmm. it's been turned into uh, a business, a lot of these places. And he's buddy, buddy up against that. And he started talking to him, uh, Ethan, Ethan talk is talking to him about, you know, what are we going to do about this? We are, if we are who we say we are, if we're Catholic and we want to, um, care about the earth and care about the people on it. And we want to care about, you know, God's, um, garden and God's creation, then we should be caring about all of it. We should be caring that there's the oil being dumped into the into the oceans all the time and oil tankers are leaking all the time and there's so much toxic fumes being put into the air. We should care about, we should, of all people, we should be the ones giving the most shits about this and we don't. And he's asking him why. And he's, uh, Cedric's just like, listen, I got, I got my sponsors. I got my people. I got my uh, shareholders that I, that I, that I feel I'm, that I'm beholden to, that I'm financially beholden to. And he's just like, fuck. <laughs> even <laughs> yeah, even yeah. like uh, religion is not outside the cl- the grasp of capitalism. Capitalism mm-hmm. um, uh, diseases and corrupts everything it touches, including religion. So it is a very, very interesting film. A lot of, a lot of big topics, a lot of heady topics, a lot of heady ideas uh, circling around that movie. So highly recommend watching yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, definitely need to check that one out. Yep. Uh, what is your number five A24 film? Uh, my number five is Room, uh, the Brie Larson movie where she is, you know, trapped in a, she is uh, an abducted woman who is, you know, trapped in a room for years and years and years. She has her son, um, and there is kind of a, a pretty big, uh, twist that happens, you know, towards the last act. Um, and yeah, this is a movie that is another one that is hard to watch, but is a mm-hmm. very powerful film It needed to be on my list because I feel like it is just so impressively acted and is dealing with all of these really big, dark, depressing issues. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not one that I'm going to sit down and watch and have a good time like bodies, 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 but it is one that is, uh, important. And that is, I think everybody should probably at least watch once. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another trend I'm noticing about A24 films is they sort of um, are able to pick out and uh, forefront a lot of up-and-coming, up-and-coming uh, actors and actresses and directors and writers. And again, first mm-hmm. time I one of the first times I saw uh, Brie Larson in a movie and Jacob Tremblay uh, in yeah. a film, uh, I went back and watched uh, Brie Larson in Short Term 12, which I believe was uh, yeah t- t- 2013. She was in that a couple of years before before room so um mm-hmm. you know again one of those things that they they do very well is they find up and coming talent and they forefront them and they put them in very interesting um art art pieces before they go off and become part of the mcu <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah the yeah, a- a- 24 yeah a24 is the like minor leagues to the yeah. to the marvel's major leagues right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, very interesting movie. I believe she won Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress for that. I think that year. Best Actress, yeah. I think she did. Best Actress, yeah. She did, yeah. exactly. 
So that was your number five. Uh, so we're coming up here, uh, top four. Uh, my number four is a movie, again, very much up my alley. A very movie that uh, I enjoy very much because they talk about like great acting and great long shots and great, um, very interestingly shot movies. Uh, the movie is called Lock. L-O-C-K-E from 2013 with Tom Hardy in a car. <laughs> Literally, that's all that is, is uh, Tom Hardy in a car um, having conversations with people on a phone. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really well done. I think Tom Hardy is one of the one of the best actors, best actors out there. Um, and he has been for a long time. I think early stuff from his that I would definitely recommend going back and watching. I just, I just saw a clip the other day from his movie called, um, I'm blanking on it, uh, Bronson. I think it was called from mm. a couple of years after this one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. He, could, he was doing incredible stuff uh, for a while. Um, still is, but definitely back then. Um, yeah. If, if you haven't seen it, I would, I would highly recommend watching Lock. Need to watch it. It's been one that I've heard a lot about, especially there's uh, there was this recurring joke on Patrick Willems' YouTube where one of his um, assistants or, I guess, interns um, was trying to get him to watch Locke, and he's like, finally, I watched <laughs> Locke, and it was really good. So, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I need to watch Locke. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So, what is your number four, A24 film? My number 24, or my number four, <laughs> A24. My <laughs> uh, number yeah. four, A24 yes. film is yes. a movie that we've already touched on, which is Ex Machina. You know, this nice. is, I've rewatched it recently for another podcast I'm going to be on, and this is such a fucking good movie. Like, yeah, you you talked about how like this is kind of ha- touching on the same themes as After Yang, whereas this is more like After Yang is more like oh nice and warm cozy feelings about that, and this is just like ooh like what is what is actually you know it's it's a lot creepier. It's like you're gonna die maybe, and you're or you're in a you're a prisoner like the robot is a prisoner, and I think that it does things like. Alex Garland would try and do later with men where he was trying to say all these things about toxic masculinity and you know you have Dom Gleason who you think is kind of me the main hero but actually it's like oh maybe this guy just sucks and he's only interested in the idea of this person and that's the only reason that he's trying to help her escape so screw this guy and um all these these ideas about toxic masculinity and nice guys and tech bros and and all this <laughs> stuff and just kind of a woman escaping all of that is is so it's presented so literally and metaphorically in the movie in such a cool way. It's also just a really cool, contained, great sci-fi film um, with some great performances by just a small cast uh, that I, I really dug. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's, again, it's it sort of skirts that line. Uh, we're talking about movies that mm-hmm. we're not going to revisit that are dark and dreary. Um, it sort of skirts that line of that, but I think it has enough humor, has enough um, chemistry or... or uh, um, charisma going on between the leads. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, um, Oscar Isaac has that in him. That uh, I would definitely go back and watch this at, at yeah, any time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So we're coming to the end here. Top three. Probably going to recognize a lot of the stuff <laughs> here <laughs> uh, coming up on my list and your list. So I'm just going to go with uh, number three, Hereditary. Um, now we're getting to the stuff that we've been talking about the people yelling people on fire <laughs> cults um, this Tony is a Collette. movie that, Tony Collette exactly Tony Collette yelling <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I went back and watched this a couple of times because this is a movie that rewards rewatching over and over again because there's so much going on with the, uh, the mythology of the movie where again we're going to spoil a lot of the stuff but her, her lineage and her family came from a 
came from um, you know very religious, very culty people. And if you go back and watch this from the beginning, you can see people giving like weird glances to the main characters in the funeral scene, in parking lot scenes, in a lot of the scenes that you wouldn't think um, have anything to do with the story or anything. A lot of the um, you know, sort of building blocks between the scene, between the major scenes, you can go back and watch this and look in the background and see many of the, many of the people that are going to be at the end being naked and chanting in the attic. You <laughs> yeah. can see a lot of those people scattered throughout the movie. So I thought that was really, really incredible. Another thing I like a lot about this movie is that it does a thing that I have really rarely seen. And honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen it done before, done this well. Um, you know, the iconic ending uh, scenes where you have Alex Wolf's character uh, waking up. Let me see if his name Peter. Peter wakes up, and he's just he's coming home after he bashes his face into his desk at school. This this film was filled with so many iconic moments, and that's one of them. Um, he's he's brought home. He takes a nap. He wakes up. It's do- or it's it's past dusk. It's evening time. You hear crickets outside. The moonlight is coming through his his room. So you only have very natural light lighting the room. And he sits up, and in the corner, the top corner of his room, that's not lit at all. There's nothing drawing your eye to it. You see Tony Collette just sitting there, just chilling in the top <laughs> top left of his room, yeah. as you do. And I was like, God damn, that's incredible. And it's incredible for a few reasons. One, because they're not spotlighting it, they're not forefronting it. They're not like they're not like a lot of movies where it's like, hey. We're going to make sure you can see this because we have to, because we're not going to um, trust you enough to be able to move your eye to the top left of the screen. So, you know, <laughs> we know that you can see the thing. And it's just incredible that, you know, the um, the director, Ari Aster, was, I don't know, brave enough or, or witty enough or clever enough to, to, sh- to shoot the scene like that in darkness and to only show Tony Collette. You can only really see her when she starts moving across the screen. So I thought that was really, really incredible filmmaking. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That scene is so creepy and effective. This is a movie that I had originally on my list. I ended up bumping it off just because I didn't have enough slots. Um, but I do really love this movie. It is just really great, effective horror. And I love the A24 style of horror movie slash thriller way more than the conventional just jump scare because it is so much more effective and creepy and just i would way rather be unnerved by a movie than just jolted for 0.01 seconds and that's what this movie just the creepy vibes throughout the whole film just it's great yeah yeah anybody that hasn't seen it uh, you know obviously go back and watch it but there's so many moments of her just like banging her head up against the uh the ceiling when he's getting into the attic and her chopping her head off and obviously the the sister losing her head <laughs> the, <laughs> when he's driving home and the cry the screams when then the morning afterwards and you're watching him you're watching alex just sit there in his bed waiting for that moment you hear her walking down this walking down the hallway going into the room and you hear her finding it and screaming and pain and just these guttural like feral sounds she's making never really seen anybody do that in a movie before there's so many things in this movie that i've never seen before or since done so well yeah 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 really unique and it's a great debut film for sure yeah yeah absolutely so what is your number three a24 film uh, my number three is Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, from the, earlier this year. Uh, I thought this was such a great, interesting, uh, 
film about just the multiverse and all the different lives that we could lead or that we did lead and where those roads led us and what that means for our life today and you know the things we hold on to and the things we have to learn to let go of and it's a movie that is kind of nihilistic but then it tells you yeah the little things do matter um i i think it's just it shows the the great power of like the mid-budget film which are all a lot of these a24 movies are mid-budget films and that's a big reason why i love them is they still exist in this space in cinema that is is really really disappearing and this has proved that it still can be so effective you can still make a lot of money i think it's the number one um at the box office a24 movie i, I think both domestically yeah. and internationally i'm not sure um, but yeah, I, I really loved this movie, and I know yeah. you were a big fan of it as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about it in a few slots <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I go up my list here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great film. Uh, so my number two A24 film is, of course, Uncut Gems. <laughs> it just kind of has to be. Um, just talking about it's very, uh, bring it back to hereditary. Um, the filmmaking is, like you said, so incredibly unique in that. Um, it doesn't care if you can't follow along. It doesn't care if you can't hear what people are saying um, because it puts puts his character in these situations where there's so much chaos going on that you can't really make out what's being said or who's talking to who at, the, at a certain point because there's so much chaos going on in the background. And, you know, incredible, one of the best uh, performances that year was by Adam Sandler, which sounds like a crazy statement to make, but it is absolutely true. Um just an insane movie from from the get-go of like you know uh kevin garnett telling him listen i'm gonna give you this ring and you're gonna give me that rock and i'm gonna come back in like three days so don't fucking pawn that shit don't 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 do anything with my ring if i come back here you don't have my ring i'm gonna be very 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 pissed off smash cut to the next scene he's pawning the fucking ring for like a hundred thousand dollars or some shit (laughs) and just it's it's incredible like world building where you know, like I was mentioning he was in the back of the trunk naked and his wife comes and sees him and she's like, all right, come on, let's do this again. <laughs> Obviously, the way she's acting towards him, you can just tell, showing, not telling. You can tell that he's been in a situation before and she's been in the situation before and they're just dealing with it again. Um, yeah, just incredible standoff. Like you, you're watching this scene where you're, I don't. I'm not a sports guy, so I didn't really have a clear grasp of what was going on. But I could tell that he he needed like everything to go his way. He needed like a tip off to go his way. He needed the t- he needed the Celtics to be in a certain lead. He needed all this stuff to line up perfectly to go his way for him to get his money and to possibly not die. But spoiler alert, he does die, <laughs> which was a pretty yeah. shocking moment at the end where he just gets shot in the face and. Man, it's it's just the 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 camera the stuff they're doing with the camera where they they shove into his eyeball at the end there that's very like bookends the scene where it's in his ass at the beginning and it pulls out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, just incredibly shot, incredible like moments again, uh, dialogue, everything. Just pff, it's a fucking uncut gems. What more can you say? Yeah. <laughs> uncut gems. No, I I, I love uncut this movie gems. too. It it it's it's one that I originally had on my list that I just got knocked off by some other films. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's very much that 
I, that it's so tense the entire time through because he just keeps getting in these situations and then he gets himself out of one situation but that puts him in a situation that makes it even worse and he just keeps building and building and building the tension is just building throughout the entire movie and you feel like oh my gosh when is this going to end is he ever going to get out of this and he needs every single thing to go right and then finally everything goes right and then he, they fucking shoot him at the end it's just like the ending you're like oh my fucking <laughs> like it's like that's there's the only way it could end just because he just keeps building and building and building to this you know inevitable conclusion where yeah he is he's just dead because you can't there's only so much you can talk yourself out of so you know, it's it's very much like a like a Better Call Saul episode or something where it is just that yeah. that tension and we've got a this clever writing of how is this character just gonna get himself out of this and he's kind of a scummy guy but we like him so yeah, Uncut Gems is great. Yeah, any any movie, uh, not just a twenty four movie, but any movie that can like reach through the screen and make you say like fucking stop stop (laughs) idiot just stop being an idiot just slow down and think about what you're doing Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah incredible Um, so what is your number two A24 film my number two is last year's The Green Knight Um, this movie is really weird and unique and I'm a really big David Lowry fan Um, And this falls right in the sweet spot of kind of weird slash experimental film where there's a lot of stuff and you're like, what was happening there? Was like, is he imagining this? Is the fox supposed to be God? What is the metaphor for that? You know, oh, like he gets a handy from Alicia Vikander, that thing, and what does that mean? And then, then, you know, I'm like, Joel Edgerton leeches it, leans in, and I'm just like, now kiss and they actually kiss and it's just like what and it's <laughs> it's so and the, the green knight himself is so just visually arresting and interesting and it's a yeah. king arthur story but it's not a king arthur story that is super well known it's like we've have it's like oh this other character and i i love this is the best dev patel has ever done like he's an actor i think has really grown a lot like i don't think he's great in slumdog but over the years we've seen him grow so much as a performance and he is just like he is like on like Aragorn, like Viggo Mortensen in the Lord of the Rings levels in this movie as oh, far yeah. as I'm concerned. And it's just this movie about responsibility and what does that mean and, you know, growing up and like what is, do we have to be protecting and like what is this, is this to- uh, masculinity toxic and do we have to accept things and the ending is ambiguous but like it's it's not ambiguous in an annoying way, it's an ambiguous in an, oh, that's interesting way. So I, I fucking love the Green Knight. Yeah, this has stuff. A twenty four, another A twenty four sort of trope um, that we didn't really mention is like their cinematography is kind of incredible. I said it's you know stuff is visually arresting, but it can be you know a person on a fire or a, a naked dude. But this has you know the mm-hmm. other thing of like incredible landscape shots and an, and an incredible like camera movement and you know it's. When we say challenging, you can mean a few things of like, you know, this it could be challenging because you want it forces you it forces you to examine societal norms, it forces you to examine uh, racism, it forces you to examine um, systemic things like racism mm-hmm. and systemic issues like that. But also, this is uh, challenging in a way of like, don't look at your phone. <laughs> There's yeah. many, many, many long shots of just like nothing's happening really. But it is really great that movies out there that the movie is allowed to do that. 
as well as to be a panic inducing uh, movie like Uncut Gems. It's, you can also, there, there's so much variety. People, you know, you're talking about like the A24 house style, but there is that variety in there where you have mm-hmm. a movie like The Green Knight that takes his time and lets the scenes breathe and lets lets you really soak into the movie and, and it's, a, it's at its own pace. And then you have something like Uncut Gems or like, um, what's the, uh, what's the beach movie? The... The Spring Old? Breakers, yeah, something like oh. that. Yeah, <laughs> Spring, yeah, Spring Breakers, like that, or Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. That 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 you know has a pretty high pace to it. You know, it's it has they they have a variety in terms of uh, style, in terms of genre, in terms of um, what the movie's saying, and also in terms of um, pacing. So mm-hmm. you could you could sort of. Um, watch five different A24 films and get five completely different types of movies, which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely, like I was saying, even though there is that style, there is so much variety within that style. Yeah, exactly. So we are at number one. Uh, You talked about it for your number three. Uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. It was my number one. Uh, for the year so far, we'll probably, unless uh, some major, major thing happens by the end of the year, we'll probably be my number one at the end of the year. Um, we just want to mention one thing that I sort of heard um, since we last talked about this that I didn't really bring up before. Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once is a mother-daughter story. Um, mm-hmm. It's about their uh, butting heads, and usually when you see a movie like that, like Lady Bird. Um, it's from the daughter's point of view, but this is another um, movie that sort of takes that trope and flips it on its head where this movie is very much about um, from the mother's point of view. Um, and I think that that is very interesting because, you know, one of the things that we really don't value in society is, you know, the elderly's point of view. And she's not elderly, but she's getting up there. And I think, you know, we value youth and that kind of things. And like I said, it's usually from the from the younger girl's point of view because we can usually relate to that person so i thought it was very brave and very interesting to make the movie um from evelyn's point of view for for this one so yeah again yeah. Very, an incredible movie incredible accomplishment accomplishment yeah yeah it's definitely in my top two or three of the year so far like i said it's it's my number three uh a24 movie i already said my piece on it but i i, I did love it yeah and i love how the yeah. the love that it has for 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 other cinema, you know, like there's all the references to Ratatouille and in the mood for love and just all these great uh, pieces of film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what is your number one A twenty four film? So my number twenty or my number one A twenty four film. <laughs> God damn it, yeah. did it again. Uh, so we talked already <laughs> about Ari Aster's um, first uh, movie, which was uh, very dark very very bleak um and this one is still very bleak but it is very light very bright uh and that is (laughs) midsummer uh or midsummer as some people like to call it Um, yes (laughs) but yeah this was kind of my introduction to florence Pugh. i think that the choice to like set this horror movie in the broad daylight where you are seeing absolutely everything is so freaking creepy and scary um, the best horror movies are always ones that feel real. Like, you know, when I watch Hereditary, at least for me, um, I'm not really afraid of demon cults uh, or demons and witches and monsters and stuff. But I am afraid of, like, creepy cult people because that's, that's scary because I was like, oh, I could go to Iceland or wherever and this could happen to me. Like, there are these. this is just people. <laughs> and just I, yeah. I love just 
how fucking creepy it was, and it's just this movie about how we deal with trauma, and it's also a really good breakup movie, uh, where you just, it, it's, it's so fucking good, the ending especially, like, that last little smile that she gives, you know, if you want to talk about cinematography like we have before, the cinematographer in this is so fucking cool, that, huge dress that she's got with the the may queen like flower crown and everything i actually got a chance to see the actual dress when i was at the academy museum down in la and this movie just looks so phenomenal and he really uses the colors and the brightness that are on display with real strong effect because that is one thing i was in a conversation on some discord the other day talking about you know color how colors aren't utilized super well in a lot of movies these days, but Midsummer really does a good job with it. Yeah, absolutely. The um, the thing I always go back to when I talk about this movie is if nobody's ever seen it, like that first scene, like the opening scene, is it the opening scene where her her sister kills herself and her family? Yeah, yeah. It's one of it's one of the opening scenes, and it's just the way they do it. It's just like <laughs> again when you watch these movies and somebody's watching it with you, you're like, "Are you okay? Yeah. Like, what's the matter with you? Like the Ari Aster, like, dude, how did you even think of like? Okay, so she has the car running in a, in a garage. That's the that's a common way for people to kill themselves. But then she takes like a PVC piping, runs it through the house, runs mm-hmm. it up into her parents' room to kill them also with the car at the same time. Like, who the fuck even thinks of that yeah. thing? It's, Jesus. It's, there's um, this, there yeah. was this AMA Reddit with Ari Aster a couple years back, right after he made this, and so one of the questions somebody asked him was, hey, man, are you okay? And he just replied, no. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's interesting going back and looking at it because you're like, okay, yeah, the, 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 uh, the boyfriend is obviously an asshole, very, mm-hmm. very toxic uh, masculinity coming from him. But is this... Are, is, is the is Ari Aster like saying you know everybody can be toxic you can be you can have toxic masculinity but also is the cult like is that that's also a toxic mm-hmm. um what uh what would you call it like it's a group group mentality right yeah the, yeah the, the sort the of horde horde mentality mm-hmm. yeah yeah group think can also be toxic um what was I gonna say about this there was some there's just a, like you said a weird vibe throughout it um. Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect going in. And, it, and like you said, uh, horror in the daylight. Very, very difficult to do. I'm not sure. Like a lot of these movies we're talking about, I've never seen that done in that way before. Mm-hmm. You know, horror horror in the daylight is very interesting. The the way it's shot was so interesting. The the bear <laughs> being yeah, put in the yeah. bear suit and then set on fire. Like, holy shit, man. If you just want to <laughs> just watch these movies with the sound off, you can you can also do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so many of these movies, you can sort of glean what's going on just from the actions. I think that's a very... Um, that's a, that's a um, commendable thing as well to shoot a movie in a way where you can just sort of understand what's going on without any dialogue. It's a really w- uh, good way of doing the showing that telling thing mm-hmm. to a, to an extreme degree. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really great pick. Um, so I did have a whole bunch of uh, honorable mentions to talk about. I'll go through them pretty quickly. Um, Midsommar was my number eleven. Uh, just just missed on the outside of that. Um, Green Room, incredible thriller. Um, with the late great, uh, what is his name, uh, Mr. Greenroom? Oh, Anton Yelchin. Um, Anton Yelchin. Thank you. Yep. Uh, he was great in that. Um, Moonlight again. I had to put that 
pretty high up just because I did enjoy it, but it's also an acclaimed movie in its own right. Um, really enjoyed uh, Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade uh, from that year. That's at number 14. Um, a ghost story is <laughs> very decisive, divisive. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of people when it first came out and also later on saying, like, I, I'm not going to just sit here for 20 minutes while Rooney Mara eats a cake or eats a pie <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I'm not doing that with my life. <laughs> Have you seen this? Yeah, I have, and it, I was like, it was one of it's David Lowry, so I was you know very excited to see it, and it's I think I liked it. It's it's like yeah, I right. don't even know what it was really. I was like, all right, I guess yeah. that was that was good. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Under the Skin, incredible movie with Scarlett Johansson early on, uh, early eight eight twenty four film. Um, have you heard about how this movie was made? No. So they shot this in like Scotland or or like a rural part of Scotland or Ireland, um, and they basically shot it. They they she played she supposedly was like pretending to be a hitchhiker and she was done up in all this makeup, um, so nobody could really recognize her very well. And they somehow shot her having conversations in the cars with the random dudes like from far away or they got the sound and they just edited it later. But yeah, they didn't tell anybody that they were shooting this movie and they just got a bunch of guys to pick her up and they had convers- like real real conversations throughout it and then later on um, whoever like did the best I guess became then they shot other other scenes with her actually doing the alien stuff to them hmm. um, you know in in the uh, in the environment she does it in um, so yeah very interestingly made okay. there have you seen that one uh, I have not it's it's another one that you know I've kind of in, been in the back of my mind for a while but I've never actually gone around to watch i mean a lot of a24 movies i need to watch um that one yeah. i've not seen yet then uh, a couple more um saint maude is what i mentioned on the last show about uh moyford clark and the last frame of that movie is incredible um i got the florida florida project at number 19 uh, i think that was an incredible incredible film with willem dafoe um about very poor people living uh alongside Disney parks Juxta- juxtaposition that's the word I was trying to think of mm. from for the Amy movie juxtaposes them the, the very 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 poor folks living alongside this very prosperous very bright very colorful uh, fairy tale land I thought that was very very good um, then Lamb I have a number 21 Lamb I have Lamb and the Green Knight uh, next to each other because I feel like they both uh, you know have the same sort of large scale landscape look to them uh, I really, really like Lamb, if you haven't seen it. It's a very good one. Um, I liked the Safety Brothers, Good Time, the movie before uh, Uncut Gems. That was, very, that was a very good one with uh, Robert Pattinson. If you're if you're somebody that's still <laughs> is like, <laughs> Robert Pattinson, the dude from the Twilights? Hell no, I ain't watching no goddamn Robert Pattinson movie. Shut up. Watch Good Time. He's great in it. He's great in it. Uh, I put The Souvenir, part one and two, back to back. Those are very good movies. Uh, Minari, the... Uh, the Steven Yuan movie from a few years ago, maybe it was last year, um, it was very, very good. I believe that's Oscar Oscar contender from mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, the Yorgos Lanthimos film with Colin Farrell, incredible movie, and uh, Nicole Kidman. Great, great, great movie. Um, I have The Witch at 27. I have The Lobster at 28. Uh, Free Fire, number 29. Swiss Army Man, number 30. The um, Did the Daniels' movie before Everything, every, Everywhere, All at Once. Incredible movie, if you haven't seen it. I have The Lighthouse at number 31. Uh, I have the, the End of the Tour, a movie I mentioned a few podcasts ago about David Foster Wallace uh, and his conversations with a, with a journalist 
uh, in that movie. Very, very good. First Cow, um, I forget the director's name for that, but uh, I really, really enjoyed that as well. Saw all of her movies. Uh, Kelly Reinhardt. Uh, Reinhardt, yes, thank you. Yep, Kelly Reinhardt. Uh, X, the uh, Ty West film from this year, uh, number 34. Didn't really love it as much as a lot of people, uh, but I'm looking forward to Pearl, apparently, the, the prequel to that movie, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, let's see. Then I just have I I I, I should probably put bodies by bodies higher, but I just remembered <laughs> that was the A twenty four films. I just threw that on there very quickly. Um, on the rocks is a movie. I think these are the ones at the bottom. I would not recommend a lot of them, but I would definitely recommend On the Rocks, a uh, Sophie Coppola film with uh, Bill Murray um, and Rashida Jones from uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and one other or a couple others I would recommend Zola. Uh, it was a it was a Hulu movie. It was on Hulu. Uh, I think it's still on there. Great little little movie there. Uh, another documentary aside from uh, Amy is a doc- documentary called Val about Val Kilmer, his life in, in movies. Um, I have Come On, Come On, the um, Joaquin Phoenix movie, I believe from this year or late last year. Um, and then I do want to move up Tragedy Macbeth. I have that down there with a movie called Waves and I have Red Rocket, that movie we saw this year. Mm, yeah. Not great. And not, also not Funny best. Pages, Round Out. Not the best, no. I have yeah. those. I have uh, Red Rocket and Funny Pages down near the bottom. Uh, what do you have just outside your top 10? Yeah, so outside my top 10, you know, obviously these are a lot of ones that we had kind of we touched on some of these Uncut Gems, Hereditary, uh, After Yang, I would say, are all honorable mentions. Um, I did like A Ghost yeah. Story a lot, um, I think. Uh, <laughs> Uh, another yeah. one. Yeah, I liked The Lighthouse. <laughs> I, I thought The Lighthouse was weird and interesting and great. Uh, Swiss Army Man, another just weird movie from the Daniels. Uh, and then I just want to mention Moonlight as well, yeah. which was a a very powerful, at times hard to watch, but interesting uh, movie who I, I kind of, it you know, I think that I was thinking I was going to like it more than I did going in, I um, but I still did really enjoy it a lot. Um, so yeah, that was our top 10 A24 films. I, yeah, great, great little studio. Keep going, guys. Yes, yes, <laughs> I love yes. all your stuff. Keep the mid-budget film day- alive. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there day one if you distribute your movie near me. I'll definitely support <laughs> you guys. Yeah, a lot of a lot of news apparently about like, um, they were talking on the Slash Filmcast today about the, the film business just just cratering and they're doing a thing where they're like three dollar movie come and see movies for three dollars i guess that'll be the thing that'll save us <laughs> yeah yeah oh marcel yeah, yeah, the yeah. i forgot totally forgot about marcel the shell that's a24 right oh yes that just came out that is a24 yeah. correct fucking great movie. yeah that probably should have been on my list but yes too late now yeah Probably would have been if I, yeah, it came out around here. I'll definitely check that out when it comes to yeah. VOD. So I believe that will do it for this episode, and we'll do some plugs real quick. Um, doing some some blogging here and there. A lot of more. I do a lot more uh, writing. Little um, couple paragraphs here and there on my letterbox. B for Benedetta. There you can check out my longer um, longer form reviews on my Medium blog. That's Damien uh, medium.com you can go there for that film essayist on twitter or uh, on youtube anchor.com to make a podcast easily and you can still check out all my interviews from this year on the feed uh back there in january february and march are there if you want to check all that stuff out derek what you got to plug yeah so i also do another podcast called underrated where we talk about underrated movies 
Um, we do that every other week, so whenever this episode drops, there's an episode of that that drops, so just look up Underrated. Today's episode would be, I think, we're, yeah, we're starting our new mini-series called Vintage Collection, where we're looking at uh, underrated films from before 1970, so maybe some ones that have just kind of been forgotten or overlooked. Um, so one the one we're talking about today is the 1944 film The Uninvited, which is another just creepy ghost story. It could have it felt feels like if A24 was making movies in the 1940s, they would have made this one. So it's it was a lot of fun. <laughs> nice, nice. I think there was something I recommended. What was the one? Yes. Oh that yeah, yeah. Uh, so there. we will say uh, that one uh, you suggested, Peeping Tom, and yeah, um, next week we're going to be covering You're that one. Me, yeah. That was Alan's pick. So good call on suggesting that one, man. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I just caught up with it uh, this year as well. Um, if people don't know, that was a film that came out the same year as as Psycho, but got buried because it's Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me look up the guy. Do you have the director on hand? I do not. Director of Peeping Tom. Uh, let's see. Peeping Tom was a film directed by Michael Powell. Uh, Michael Powell and Pressburger. They did a lot of stuff Um in the early days of film, like the, the Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, Canterbury Tale, A Matter of Life and Death, Black Narcissist. I saw The Red Shoes. Red Shoes is a great movie if you're into like early 40, early 40s um, musicals. That was really great. But other than that, I'm not really familiar with Mr. Powell and Pressburger's mm. uh, filmography, but I definitely want to be. I've heard great stuff about The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peeping Tom, incredible. It, it, Peeping Tom is, if for those who don't know, you'll talk about this on your show, but it's, it's when people say, like, you know, what, what kicked off horror, what kicked off the slasher uh, genre, what was the first one to do that? Um, you can go back to things like Black Christmas. Black Christmas did a lot of that first-person um, point of view um, slasher with the butcher knife, um, stalking people. Um, Black Christmas did that in the early 70s. But if you want to be like academic and be like, well, actually, the first one <laughs> that it was <laughs> Peeping Tom in 1960. So nice. yeah, that's that's nice, uh, nice. that's one everyone should check out. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to watch so it I, to review it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, I look forward to uh, to listening to that on, on Anchor on there. Underrated. Go check that out. Yes, yes, yes. So I think that'll do it for episode 146 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I have Damien. I'm Derek. And we'll see you next time. See you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies and at the TV the TV shows. <laughs> <laughs>